yeah, no, good. Yeah, it's been a uh, busy week. I'm tired this week. I'm uh, Emma's Emma's teething, so it's um, it's been one of those weeks where our nights are just interrupted with you know crying every every hour. So how been, how, how old is Emma now? She's 14 months. So I thought doesn't teething happen sooner or? It all depends. It all depends. Yeah, like friends oh, of ours, friends of ours, their kids had both. Like both of their kids had all of their teeth by nine months. Okay. Emma's Emma's late, so. So she had no teeth up until no, this point. No, she's she has like six teeth, and then now she's cutting two more right now. So. Oh okay. okay. Um, yeah, they all kind of will start to yeah. She's she's past her initial teething, but now she's got. She's More got another, coming. yeah, exactly. Oh God, that must be kind of scary as a kid. Like, it's, it, it, I don't know. When you see this, you think think of the baby, like whatever, it's just teeth coming in. But it's bones ripping through your skin coming in. Like it's like Wolverine, yeah. right there. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah, huh. it'd be terrifying, and it's gotta huh. hurt. Like, yeah, it's you gotta, gotta imagine. Um, you know, it's funny. I remember reading this article about. Uh, the reason why kids cry before they go to sleep is for some kids or for some babies, it's like you imagine for us, imagine all of a sudden you get this feeling, you go unconscious for an hour or two and you wake up in a different position than you fell asleep in, probably not beside your mother or father who put you there. Like it's a really scary thing and they actually cry because they're fighting they know what's about to happen and they don't want that to happen. Now there's no way to prove this, but there's like a good body of thinking that that's why kids cry before they go to sleep. Interesting. It makes sense though. Yeah, kind of. Well, we're live buddy. We've, uh, we've been live for, for a few, I think I'll cut it a little, I think I'll cut it a little tighter this time, but, but yeah, welcome to, Welcome to Pencil Problems, a show where Nick and Kent talk about problems that sound important but aren't. And this is episode number two. So uh, we did yeah, it, you know. I, I, I really like that one sentence you, you have there, man. It's really succinct and uh, <laughs> it's uh, right on point. You know, I'm not normally good at making things succinct and on point i tend to talk a lot and it just sort of came out of me on the go train today that we uh so you know what i i think we'll um well you know what no we should probably do we should probably do a progress report first and then and then after that we'll get into follow-up because we 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 had more listeners than i was expecting and we got some feedback so I think we'll do a little progress report. We'll talk about some follow-up or FU as the podcasters like to call it. And and then we'll talk about talk about something for sure. Give, Hope give so. me the stats, man. Give me the stats. I haven't even heard the stats. I know, no, so it's not great this week. I'm only uh, I'm still at just the one order, uh, the one that we had last week. And uh, so I thought that uh, so I interviewed with Shopify. 
not too long ago. And I remembered them saying, I think that they give, so they give people money. They give employees money to go spend on Shopify stores. And Hmm. I thought to myself, now they didn't, they didn't tell me they do this. I have no inside knowledge whether or not they do this or not. So please don't email me. But the, I got thinking if I was a growth hacker at Shopify, I would absolutely do, I would spend my money. I would look for new, I would set up a query that just looks for new stores that are popping up that have some level of completeness. Mm -hmm. And I would just buy whatever they're selling, even if I have no interest in it, to give them a bit of a dopamine hit and hopefully keep them coming back as a Shopify. So are you saying that you think your first customer was pretty much a growth hack? No. So I looked her up and I won't uh, say who it was for privacy's sake, but I did some digging and there is no connection to Shopify, which is great. But who knows? I don't know. If I were them again, I would probably expect people to look at me. So I would pay my friends to do it, uh, which we used to do at Tilt all the time. So I, it could very well be an elaborate growth hack. But you know what? I don't give a fuck. I, as far as I'm concerned, I've made a real order. It came through search, which is the whole thesis of my, uh, my idea of just, you know, I have a lot of shit to do at Hubba. Um, we are in a really exciting time. I don't have, and I'm a father of two, I don't have the time to come home and moonlight the way I used to. It's just not, like when I come home, I actually enjoy working on Hubba-related stuff a lot of the time. And I, if I didn't have a more organic kind of a growth strategy here, I'd be very worried, but... Uh, this is a long play for me. And uh, anyway, I'm making excuses. I got one fucking sale. And hey, uh, ship, ship it. Yeah, I shipped it out. Shipping How was a little more expensive. Ship? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little more ex- Okay, so I had duty. Um, so the the product that I'm importing, uh, it's not covered under NAFTA. So I I tweeted at Trump. Hopefully we can fix that. And um, so I had to pay. I had to pay uh, seventy dollars duty, which works oh. out to about two two dollars per bottle. Okay, which isn't bad actually. I I've got a healthy margin on there, but the shipping was quite it was quite a bit more expensive than I was expecting. It was like seventeen bucks. Oh um, wow. Yeah. So gotta figure that one out. <laughs> now I still made money. So. It's, it's not, but I didn't make nearly as much as I thought I was going to. So definitely something that I'm willing to keep doing. And, and even if I'm pouring a bit of, you know, uh, cost into, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but the story mm-hmm. for me is that it's, this is going to be an SEO property. The SEO traffic is going, is increasing like already, even from week over week. I mean, it's, it's up, uh, you know, single digit, but it's still going up and I'm confident that that's not going to change. So. Yeah, steady well, as she you, goes for me. An, an option you have is like um, your product is kind of inelastic because it's really hard to get in Canada. So if you were to charge shipping, so you put that on the customer, do you think that would really hurt your conversion that much? I think it might only because – so, I mean, we could get into a whole other topic on this, but 
I mean, Amazon sells this stuff. Uh, you mm. can go buy this on Amazon. Um, it's it's not prime. You're not going to get the. You're not going to get. Um, but I'm always going to lose money to. I'm always going to lose sales to that to that kind of uh, mm-hmm. retailer. So. I think that what I need to do is that simple math around what what size of a basket do I need in order to make the shipping free. So because this was like a very small order, that's where it hurt. But if it was a bigger order, there would be no um, there'd be no problem paying the seventeen dollars shipping. So I need to just whip out a calculator and figure out, you know, is it two hundred dollars? Is it which isn't a lot? Like you could easily spend two hundred dollars at this store. So, um, so you want to do pretty much like some minimum order to yeah, kind of, uh, yeah. Keep some of the costs. yeah. And I've talked to some people and I, I have friends in the wholesaling business who through, through their, you know, they've negotiated good rates with, with, you know, different shipping companies. So mm-hmm. there's, there's a way that you can, it's, it's like, a I could basically pay them to get like a sub it's like a sub account from them. So it's a kind of a loyal, it's like a referral program almost. So they, I would sign up under their account and then technically they would get some kind of a kickback every time I send a parcel, Mm. but it's good for me because I get their discounts. Um, It's actually kind of cool that all all the post, all the postal places except Canada post (laughs) have this. So like Canpar, UPS, FedEx, they all have one of these, Mm. quasi referral multi-level marketing almost things baked into it um so I'll, I'll look into that but i'm really just grinding to get i'm willing to lose money on my first hundred orders which sounds crazy but i'm i'm totally I, i'm willing to do that so we'll just keep going anyway that's enough about me i just yammered there for eight minutes how's the how's the book um almost through month five today is gonna be the end of month five i didn't write wow. anything yet today um i was at a conference all day but uh better get on that yeah i gotta get on it but I, okay so i'm struggling with this one bit so i noticed in the first month i got 2000 views second month so okay so just to kind of rewind a bit i'm running about my first year of being a father and i'm trying to make this into a book but before that i'm giving away each month as a blog post and just kind of whatever, giving it away and uh, chatting with people, commiserating about this period of my life um, with people who have been through this, who are going through this, or who are about to go through this. Um, and that's been really fun and rewarding. Um, but I do I did find that in the first month, I had like, I don't know, 2,000 views of this. In month two, I had like 1,500, and then it's just gotten less and less with each progressive month. So... I'm wondering if it's because I started getting in the month one, I was very in the moment um, because I was always there and writing in the moment stuff. Whereas now, because I am home on the weekends and home after work and whatnot, but I am generally working, I'm writing during my commute time. And because of that, I'm being a little bit more introspective and maybe writing a little bit more verbose descriptions of things, but a little bit more um, not just in time, in the moment, uh, one-liners, but more, um, yeah, like little paragraphs and stories and anecdotes. So I'm one, I'm trying this month to just go back to how it was in month one and really go back to just one 
or two sentences for each post. Um, now, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? I think you're overthinking it, and I'll tell you why. So, my, my so I've read all of your 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 posts, and I uh, recommend them. I think the people you've got sticking around are parents, and yeah. the people who read the first one are your non-parents, soon-to-be parents. I think that kids are as interest like parents will read every page of your book and what's interesting is that I really do believe that you will you will finish this you will write this book it will be in my hands one day and it is something that parents could even go back to and read or wish they had done themselves like it's I read all of them I laugh at some of them I feel your pain in some of them and but if you're if you're not a parent, the truth is that after month one, the kind of shock and awe value is the, is over. Mm. It's I I think that you're yeah the baby whines a lot and cries a lot and it's tough and you're not sleeping and it poos all the time and you have to like there's and then by month two the crazy thing is like you realize that it's kind of all the same and and then there's kind of these magical moments that'll start to to, to, to happen. And I just think that for, for people who are like flicking through medium on their phone, they, it's really exciting to see the first 30 days if they're not a parent, but then as soon as, as soon as they're, they're done with that, if they see that second post, they're, they're just not as interested. I, I don't think in that, which to me is great. I, I, I agree. I agree. But to me, that's even like, if like, I don't know if I'm right. Um, I think your insight about not being in the moment, there's probably something to it in that you're, um, you're, you're not able to have that really visceral kind of feeling. You're, you're probably self-censoring maybe like you're, 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 you're being hesitant to put stuff down for whatever reason when you're on the train, I could totally see that happening. Um, you know, it's funny. I, we were talking, well, I mean, the, our show is named after, uh, you know, Pencil Problems is this sort of anecdote from from a Stephen King thing. And I remember listening to this other thing about talking about Stephen King's process where, you know, he would like, I think when he was writing his really messed up stuff like Carrie and It and, and Cujo and all the really dark things he actually would like sleep deprive himself and he would do all these crazy drugs and he would but sleep deprivation was one of his tactics so it could even just be that when you were in that state of manic (laughs) manic sleep sleep deprivation you tap into a different kind of energy that you don't get when you're when you're um you know more rested or more in a routine anyway it kind of makes sense though right because you want to be it will be more real Right, as opposed to feeling too too polished. Yeah, there, and there's no question you're not making great decisions. So you might say something in month one that you might not say in month three or something. Yeah, um, I guess my, my my hypothesis with the with the shorter form is just in this age of really short form ADHD kind of attention spans. It's like you you just want something that's easily digestible. I guess. 
anyways, that that's my theory. I, I've written most of month five in this way, so it's going to happen anyway, and we'll 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 see. Um, so your your hypothesis is that you will get more views in month five. Yeah, but I I, I think the bulk of it is what you're talking about because I completely agree with that. Anyways, we'll find out. But but I think what's interesting is as you uh, I, after our conversation uh, last week, I went back and reread the 1000 true fans that you mentioned, which I'll pop in the show notes, which we'll talk about during FU because a couple people asked about show notes. <laughs> and <laughs> well, because we mentioned a bunch of stuff, like we actually talked about quite a few podcasts and books and ideas that if you don't have the context, I mean, yeah, a lot of people yeah. wanted us to talk more about ourselves. And I said, no, the whole point of this was that <laughs> this is this is just a conversation that you and I are having and people are listening to it. And yeah, you'll find out one day where you and I met and what we did together and what we didn't do together. And it'll all just sort of unfold as we as, as we talk. But there's no like we wouldn't naturally do that in conversation. So um, but um I totally lost my train of thought. We were talking of, oh yeah. So the, the whole thing in that thousand true fans is really just coming to grips with the fact that you need to niche down even further than you think. So if you're building a product for kids, are you building a product for kids two to three, three to four, four to five, mm -hmm. just go as deep, go as low as you possibly can go. And I think for you, if you're, you kind of mentioned who your audience was, even if you just said like, I'm writing this for myself and other parents, you're, you're right there. I think you could already have a ton of um, growth challenges, even just trying to find other parents and, and making sure it gets in front of them without having to worry about the people who might be thinking about kids who want to have kids who are expecting parents. No, it's, it's true though, because like, I think once you move out of that niche, you, uh, your 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 material some somehow gets watered down, um, because if I'm writing for people who are not into this, who are not in the game, then I feel I need to describe things more. Like what does right. what does yeah um, I don't know um, yeah like just d descriptions of like the materials or the terms like uh, witching hour or whatever that means. You know, for, <laughs> yeah, like parents understand that, but non-parents have have no idea. Um, but yeah, and anyways, yeah. No, but, but going on that too, I think that's even like, even if you went out a little bit to talk about expecting parents, you're right. Your, your filter totally changes. And even though once you've sort of committed to the, <laughs> there's no going back from, from having the baby. So it's like, you're, you're, um, you could almost argue that really every expecting parent should read this book. And I think that, I don't know about, um, about you guys, but we are very honest with expecting parents where we felt like people were not honest with us. So yeah. everybody told us how magical it was and how you'll fall in love in the first minute and all this jazz. And you do fall in love in the first minute, but then a week in, you're, you're looking at each other at two o'clock in the morning, like, what the hell did we do? Can we, can we take this thing back? <laughs> um, I mean, of course you're not, like, you're not actually going to, but it's, you have those moments where you're like, oh, my God, our life is so great. <laughs> um, no, for sure, man. And that, I guess, like, part of the motivation for writing this was, like, when I, when Alicia was pregnant and we were, I was like, wow, this is coming, this is happening. People were giving me books. I was buying books about parenting, about, like, 
and all this, all the things I read were just very kind of um, very vanilla and very much just telling me how magical the experience is, or this is develop developmental curves of the babies. This is what you're gonna. Um, this is what they're gonna go through, and they talk about it from that perspective, but not so much of real on the ground reporting of the day to day of this. And that's kind of really what I wanted. I just wanted the realness, like just just give it to me straight. You know what? I don't know if you've thought about a title. We don't have to. You don't have to tell me now. But you know the book, "What to Expect When You're Expecting." Yeah. You should call yours like, "What to Really Fucking Expect." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you probably get. You probably get like shoot out your ass or something but something to play on the fact that because you know everybody is going to get what to expect when you're expecting it's true yeah and you could you could say no this is what you really fucking expect like this is what you can expect um <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hit, hit on a lot of the search terms man you're gonna you're gonna that's ride right. their wave a little bit yeah but that's why sure. i think they would they would probably they're like a like a dynasty like that book um I remember when I when we got it, I looked at it. It was in its like fifty seventh reprint. Like it's just a genius idea yeah. to to do that on their part. But okay, so um, yeah. that's good. Well, we're uh, we're on the move. I don't want to have another week where I don't have uh, only one order. So I will I'll have to do something in the next week. It's uh, but like I said, it's just a it's an exciting <laughs> slash busy time. For me so uh do, do you have any uh any plans to for getting the next order yes so i without going into crazy detail i know a lot about seo and i've sized up the uh these two terms that i've got my eye on so i i know that i need only about six links to take the number one position and sit, sit there probably for at least four or five months until my competition wakes up to who this new thing is. And I and know how I... Ketones. Yeah, that's it. I, I know how to get three of the links very easily. And I already have two feelers out for the other two. So, yeah, I just need those six. So really my, my little battle right now is just getting six links and I, uh, if there's any SEO people, whoever hear this, just, it's all about links and it's all, I love the, the 24 or 24, the, the 20 mile March metaphor where there were these two, uh, troop or these two groups of people that went to Antarctica to, you know, plant the flag on it in, in Antarctica way back in like the early 1900s or even in the 1800s, I, I don't remember. But the whole idea is one, you know, it's like the old parable that actually came true. One troop was ahead for like the whole freaking trip and, you know, got very close to the end, but gassed themselves out and froze to death, all of them. And the other team led by someone whose name I can't remember had this, this thing where they would just do 20 miles a day a very very similar to what you were pitching last week around Kaizen, where even if they finished their 20 miles by at one o'clock in the afternoon and they all had energy and they could all go for another five miles, they stopped at 20 miles. And every day they just did 20 miles, 20 miles, 20 miles, 20 miles. And they were the ones that, that actually made it there alive. And uh, they only lost one person, I think, or something. So 
SEO is a is a game of twenty mile marches. If you can, if you're the person who can twenty mile march in SEO, you're gonna win. And if you're the person who gets distracted, has energy one day, doesn't have energy the other day, decides to cheat a little bit, decides to, you know, try to find a shortcut, you're gonna lose to me because I twenty mile march and might take me a little might take me a little while to get there. It might take me six months, but once I'm there, you're you're fucked. <laughs> so are you pretty much you found like a site that's high ranked for those words and you're going to get them to rank you or link you, link back to you? That's the, that's kind of it. There that's one of them, yes, but no more, more than that. So one of the sites that's linked higher than me is a direct competition. Okay. So there's no way I'm going to get a link from them um without doing some kind of partnering weird thing which I'm not willing to do. So I am uh, going to take the kind of the back road and I know where that person is getting links and yeah. there are uh, four, four or five of them that there's no reason why those people wouldn't give me a link as well. And in fact, because again, going back to your point, what we're talking about, because I'm more niche, I'm not in the, I'm not in the, I'm not interested in selling a thousand products i'm only interested in selling maybe maximum 20 products is sort of what i'm thinking so i because i can niche down i will always have something better to say about this topic than the everybody else because mm. i i will know it better than everyone else so sure. um it means that my while this other site might be able to rank for 500 keywords i might only be able to rank for 30 or 40 but I will be number one for those 30 or 40. And um, yeah, if I play my cards right, I I don't think I will be dethroned for a long time if I 20 mile march it because there's nobody else even kind of playing in this in this space. And even if you were to start right now, even if you heard this and you know exactly what I'm talking about and you can figure out what keywords I'm targeting, I, I'm already four weeks ahead of you. And you're uh, you're in trouble because I've got that momentum. So, um, so yeah. But then, but in the SEO game though, right? Like the back the backlinks are, are, are only one of the variables at play, right? Mm. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's so important that the people who try to do all of the other stuff end up losing their they take their eye off the prize mm-hmm. and. And remember, Google has a ton of, Google is like the U.S. government and what I believe, wow, we're going, we're talking about UFOs uh, an hour and a half into our our life as podcasters here. I'm a big fan of the theory that there's some truth to some kind of UFO phenomenon in the, in the, uh, in the world. And that governments spend just as much time spreading misinformation as they do, you know, trying to cover up anything that is there. Sure. So Google is very similar. So what will happen is you go to all these forums if you're into SEO or if you even just read Google's official documentation, they'll tell you all these things are so important. And they'll, and they'll dedicate a lot of time and energy to um, all these, you know, they claim that there's think, a, but you, you, you think the only variable that matters is backlinking. The most important for sure. The, the one okay. that you should be sweating about because it's the hardest and yeah. it's what makes Google, Google really like, I mean, okay. The, all I'm sure. saying could, yeah. could, could fall apart 
knowing that from what I hear from people at Google and from just reading about them, the their machine learning algorithms are starting to rank now. So the the original Google algorithm is slowly being replaced by a machine learning driven algorithm where even the operators of the algorithm aren't 100% sure what the weights are, right? Mm-hmm. So there's all these weights that go into the system and they used to be tuned by humans and a little bit of data. They are mm-hmm. now being primarily tuned by data, obviously, because it's Google. And if you were to take a Google search engineer, one of the, one of the wizards and interrogate him, and ask him for the secrets of how to rank on Google, they legitimately might not be able to tell you anymore because the system is using so much information to, to make a decision on a link that um, it's too hard to say with, with certainty. And that's only gonna get crazier as, as it goes on. But I will wager a bet 100% that links are still the most important thing. And it's okay. the underpinning of Google's algorithm and so long story short, yes, you can do all these other things, but the site that has the most relevant, non-shitty links will will tend to win. Um, and there are exceptions, of course, but yeah. Cool. That, Sorry, that makes I get, sense. I, I, no? I, get, I, I get heated on the uh, get on the on, on the SEO. Who <gasps> turn it down a notch here? Gonna start have waking a drink, up my kids. Have a drink. I know, and I, I'm I'm in the basement, and I'm gonna wake up my kids, which brings <laughs> us to our first sponsor. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Google. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the that brings us to our follow-up section, and there's uh, three pieces of of follow-up that we should talk about. Uh, if you have any, please. This is just my list, but if if you give any on yours, so. The, the big one we got from from everybody was about the sound quality. Yeah, obviously, we're not idiots. We know that this sounds like shit. Nick is is in... You're in Austin? I'm in Austin, yeah. Damn, that's amazing. I was just talking about it to Christina that we should go to Austin. Uh, Dude, what, 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 barbecue is crazy. Barbecue is crazy. Yeah. What, what, what conference are you at? Um, it's, the, it's the Children's uh, Technology um, Kids Tech Summit. Oh, fuck, okay. I forgot. I forgot the actual name. Well, this is not good. <laughs> um, are, you guys, are you guys sponsoring it? No, no. I'm just okay. attending. It's it's actually pretty pretty good, man. Uh, it's uh, sorry, digital digital kids summit. Um, <laughs> but it's a lot of uh, stuff happening for kids, but outside of. There's definitely some stuff in apps, but a lot of people talking about AR, VR. Um, just a lot of the STEM education stuff, just things that we generally don't focus on on a day-to-day. Um, it's interesting to just hear about. Um, so, yeah, but more importantly, man, the barbecue in Austin is crazy. <laughs> yeah, Tilt, Tilt, yeah. Tilt, had a, Tilt had an Austin office that I never, I never managed to get out to, but they would always post these amazing pictures of their – and, like, there's a ton of food trucks, right? yeah yeah and they would post these pictures of them you know getting these incredible lunches off, off these food trucks and um yeah it was it always made me jealous but the, okay those was we so i've been trying to do this thing where i'm eating barbecue every day and, <laughs> um so i go to a different place and because this is really the the mecca of like barbecue and um 
we went to this place yesterday in a small town called Taylor called the Louis Mueller. And the Mueller family have like huge history in like the barbecue world. And this was like the place to put a lot of barbecue on the map. Yeah. Anyways, you go to the small town and it's crazy because it feels like it's frozen in time. And it's just like you have a lot of these old little trinket stores and selling antiques. But it feels like horses were driving, were riding through there not too long ago. Wow. And you have this barbecue place and it's just constant lineup. But then maybe five minute drive, you have like a super target and you have all these like big box stores. <laughs> and you're like, how the hell do these small places even survive? And I'm sure they're not doing great, but like that barbecue place is killing it. Um, but I guess like, and so this is just one like weird thing. It's just, you see these giant big box stores and you see these like this really niche little place that's just holding it down. And it feels like that's the one place that's holding that whole little town um, on on its feet. Yeah, because yeah. like it brings it brings a lot of people in, and in turn, a lot of probably tourist traffic buys like these antiques or these other um, things in that area. Um, but it's yeah, I guess that's I'm just thinking is that the way to survive in, in this in the retail space now? Like. When, how, how, you, how do you fight Amazon? How do you fight like these targets in these like bigger stores? Like I guess you just have to be niche, but you have to what they do at that scale you could not reproduce on a larger scale. It would just you would just destroy the quality. And maybe that's what it comes down to. I, I don't know. It doesn't apply for all retail, but um, especially for food, I think it could apply. Yeah, for sure. Like wait, so are you are you saying around if you try to take the barbecue place and and blow it up and like franchise it like to make it this massive thing or are you saying like literally how does this town survive given that there are these massive targets and then this lonely barbecue place that maybe so, is the only thing supporting yeah, so, that town so that's my theory I, my theory is that this one barbecue place is holding this whole town like up on its feet i, I could be completely wrong and talking out of my ass here if you're a local from taylor i'm sorry um <laughs> But I do think, like, how, how do these places compete? And I, I, I think, like, on one, one level, if you took that barbecue and you scaled it to mass, it would not be the same. Like, your quality control just couldn't be at that level anymore yeah. that it is right now. And so you have to, I guess, I'm just wondering if in order to survive in this space now, you have to be just really, really fucking good at what you do. Um, and... Does this apply for all kind of stores or is it just or all retail? Is it really just like food? Because food is kind of an experience and people will travel for food. Right. Um, but I don't know if you made the best like widget out there. Would you travel an hour for that widget if it was a very niche thing? I don't know. Maybe. I, I guess it needs to still apply to the masses, whatever that is. Yeah. And I think that so I got to be careful with some of my um with some of like yeah because I, I know a lot about this because i'm at because i'm at hubba mm -hmm. and but at the same time there's some stuff i don't think i should really say because i don't think it's it's um it's not necessarily uh out there what i can say is we are putting together a pretty stellar uh piece of content right now where we've done a lot of like real original research. We hired a third party firm to go do all of this data analysis and surveying for us. And 
the, the data coming back is really interesting. And what I can tell you from what we're seeing and from talking to our users is it's sort of what I'm... Well, okay, let me... I'll, I'll ask you... I'll, let me answer your question, I think, with a, with a question. So your, your insight is totally right that there are... It, it's just like we've been saying with the whole idea of niching down. It's there is a resurgence of buying local, shopping local, uh, you know, yes, if you're in a pinch and you don't have the time and you need to just not think you'll go to target cause you know, it's there, but if it's Saturday morning and you want to kind of do something, a lot of people are choosing to walk into Taylor and walk the main street and go look for something versus just running to target on a Tuesday and getting, mm -hmm. you know, old spice deodorant or something like that. Yeah. And more so than you would think, given Amazon's dominance, there's a very, even though they're humongous, there is still a very small percentage of the population and it's inflated for people like us because we live in this tech bubble who are on Amazon Prime and doing all this stuff on Amazon. Now that's radically changing and it's going to keep changing. It's going to go, I don't know if it'll go exponential. One day maybe it will, but it's, it's going to get faster and faster. So I'm not saying that Amazon is not going to totally start destroying everything in its path. I mean, it's clearly going to do that. But I think a lot of it comes down to what you, what you said. And like the question that I have to you is I'm, I don't know if it's just a perception from the outside looking in on what the app industry is like, but I, there's this article this week that was something like what Apple doesn't want developers to know or something. And I can't remember. It was on medium. Some, the gist of it was yes, Apple is paying out developers in record numbers, but it's, it follows a power law distribution. So 10% of the developers on the platform are earning 90% of the revenues and mm -hmm. the chances of you the chances of your your app becoming the next big thing you have a they they did the stats and you have a better chance of being drafted into the nba than you do creating an app and having it like go viral to a top 10 app on the app store that's paid where you're actually making money mm. and but then i hear the counter side of it's never been easier to create apps there's so many amazing tools now and when you look at some of the apps that are really that have these cult followings, they're they're small teams. They are not they are not these behemoth companies. They are let's call them craftsmen for a better word, mm -hmm. especially in the on the Apple side. So a great example is like um, um, there's this new app on the Mac. I'm not sure if you've heard of it called Set App, and it's a really interesting idea where Set App is like Netflix for apps so mm. you pay i think it's eight dollars a month and you get access to 55 apps and they keep adding new apps every month mm. and you'll just keep getting access to all these new apps as they make them but what's really cool is the people who made this app also make this god i've said app like 50 times here they make another tool called clean my mac and they're called uh, MacPaw is the name of the, uh, the, I, the I, used, I used to see my mac before yeah, and, and like they're not a big studio. I can't remember what they're at now, but for the for the amount of headcount they have, they are not like they are pushing out 
amazing products with a very small team compared to the Googles or the Apples. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here, last thought, and then I'll, I'll let you chime in here. Cause, but then you hear about um, on somebody's uh, podcast or something, I heard that Google will, will regularly, oh, my, it was Microsoft, sorry. So Microsoft is making a huge bet on AI, like everybody is. And a lot of our brethren from from the DGP um, on Microsoft's R&D team, they just announced are getting this massive influx of cash. And the the article I read basically said that uh, Microsoft just threw a thousand of their best developers at this problem. So they just went through the company and said, who's our top thousand developers? Let's take them off of what we're doing and let's move them on to AI. And mm-hmm. we'll go find B, B players to go make sure that, you know, Outlook keeps working. But let's go take the cream of the crop and get them to start building the future of, of Microsoft. So mm-hmm. can you just imagine what you could get done with a thousand of your top develop, like a thousand? Like think about it, it boggles your mind if you could organize that, which, again, is debatable. How well can you organize a thousand? <laughs> but anyway, so from your vantage point. Is the retail story happening on the app side? Do indie devs have a shot or are companies like you, like, you know, Sago is a big company. You're not as big as, you know, EA or anything like that, but you're, you're going to be, you know. I, 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 I think there's definitely some parallels man, between like the retail, like the, um, the analogy of that um, barbecue shop with the targets and all that. Um, and even at this conference, like you see a lot of these little companies, these little kind of startups, and people are like, "I'm going to do this. That's going to disrupt um, the video space. I'm going to do this. That's going to, um, uh, I don't know." There's one app that was interesting today called like Chirp, and what they do is they use kind of um, ultrasound to kind of communicate from device to device. You don't have to do pairing or anything else. Well, um, yeah, so basically, you can have an app, and it'll like uh, you can you can put a little chip in like a a physical doll or something and um you can have an app essentially speak to it and then the app will react um and you can hook it up to say um in his example he had like a netflix show that was playing and when the netflix show played the characters would dance um but it's anyways it's it's kind of interesting and his kind of target is really the kid kid space right now um or you have the, these other things where people want to um, replace like that face-to-face communication, have like um, dolls, robotic dolls as a proxy. And some on some level, I'm like, mm, I don't know if that would ever work. But at the same time, like these are these little niches, and there are a following for these niches for sure. Um, that I think you need a lot of this because if you, you need some of this to. At, at the very least, push the bigger guys to be doing some of this. But it's also, at the same time, a lot of these bigger guys can't move at the same pace that these guys are, uh, or, or, or we are in, in the app space. So at Sego Mini, you know, we make, we have like 20-something apps, so we just released a subscription app. And I would put us under more of the craftsman vertical than I yeah. would yeah. Of, the, of the mass vertical. And we put a lot of time into building our apps and to make that experience amazing for like a three-year-old. And I don't know if you put a three-year-old beside our app and another app 
actually, if you put our app beside another one, I think I, I'm, I feel very confident the kid would pick a Seiko app. But at the same time, if you gave them some garbage app, you didn't give them the Seiko app, you gave them some um, really crappy, let's just say it was a mainstream Disney app. I don't, I'm not going to say Disney apps are all crappy, but let's just say it was. Uh, but it was like a big mainstream, uh, big box app that they're playing. And it really wasn't that interactive. It really wasn't that fun. A kid at that age could still have a good time with it um, because it's still like, whoa, I'm looking at these bright, vibrant colors. Uh, you know, this character looks funny. I recognize him or her from the TV show. And that alone is kind of engaging. And like, I see my nephew do this. He plays with some app um, and I forgot which TV property it's off of, but the app sucks. It, it's really, it's really terrible because you kind of you touch one thing, then you're watching for five minutes. You touch one thing, you're watching for five minutes, and you're really not. You might, it might as well be like a TV show. You're not really playing with it and not interacting. Like a like mm. um, at Sego, we we approach our apps almost like physical toys. So you know, we put something there with a very thin narrative, and the kids will then drive that experience themselves, and they get to dictate that experience. Um, but in order for that to happen, we have to have really great user experience. Like when you're pulling a character um, up, he needs to go up. If you you're, if you want to, the kid needs to be in control of that experience and play it however he wants to play um, all the time. And that's very tricky to do. Um, but I think if you look at our numbers versus, like, say, a Disney or something, you know. Um, Actually, Disney in the app space is not even that that huge. But if you look at our, our numbers versus, um, say, another big big box app, so even like like Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol is owned by Spin Master, which actually owns um, Sago now. But um, <laughs> <laughs> they don't really have to do much. Like with their the Paw Patrol, they, like they don't really don't have to do much because the IP is so strong that um, a kid will just buy a Paw Patrol app and have a good time with it. Even just because of the name on on it, just because the character's on it, and Wait, one second, can we play a game here? So mm -hmm. I have one, two, three, four, five Paw Patrol apps on my yeah. phone. Yeah. Now I do have one, two, three, four, five Sego apps, and one of them is the subscription one. So that's like twenty apps, kind of in one. Okay. Um, but the other one that I have is so Jack loves uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's funny you say that because I was, you know, sitting there one day playing this shitty Thomas game, and I thought to myself, I was thinking about you as I do a lot, and I was like, okay, so if I was like, if I was, if if I approached Nick to start a kids app. Like, at, like a, a new company building apps for kids he wouldn't want to do this but like why wouldn't we just go and license thomas and pay them whatever ungodly amount these companies are probably paying the estate of the guy who made it or whoever owns it and then like because they all suck like there is one app that's not bad from thomas and it's a racing app where you can have this kind of co-op where like the two two people can actually like push the button and whoever pushes the button faster that one's kind of fun and i i'll even give it some it's got some physics in there it's got some interesting animations but so many of these games there's like you see they're just riding on the ip 
And, yeah. and, and, and it shows. And like, as a parent, you're like, this is, this is terrible. This is like, you feel like you're buying H and M when you want to buy whatever the opposite of H and M is. I don't buy clothes. Uh, Ted Baker, yeah. you, you, you want to, sure. you want a Ted Baker shirt, but you go to H and M and you buy it and you feel like, and you know, it's going to fall apart after you wash it five times. Um, and that's exactly how I feel about some of these kids apps. Like they're, they're just, but they must be making a fortune because kids just look at Thomas and Jack just wants, like you said, it's like recognition. He, he wants to, now what's funny though, is we were at chapters and he saw Sago. He saw, uh, Jinja. Is that the name? The cat? Yeah. Yeah. So, he, and he recognized like the physical toy from the game, which was really cool. I didn't tell you that actually. That was, that was just like last week. Um, very cool. But, but at the same time, like, yeah, the, the marketing budgets of Disney, um, I'll give you another example. Jack's playing with this one called Disney ABC, which to Disney's credit is probably one of their best apps. It's a, it's a very good app. I really like it. They put a lot of time into their animation and, now that he's watching more and more Disney movies, the app gets more and more exciting because a lot of times he would click on, let's say, I don't know, T, and it'd be characters that he didn't know. But now yeah. he's seen Wreck-It Ralph, and he can look at that and be like, oh, that's Ralph, and, and it's all the recognition, though. Yeah. It's, um, it doesn't change the game. He just he connects with it more because he knows the character. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating, the... So, okay, so like, what what would it cost to license like Thomas? Like, do you have any idea? So, so you're you're talking about Thomas. That so they do do that. It's own. So the the apps on for Thomas, I think, are licensed by Budge, and Budge is like a studio. I think they're based in Montreal, and these guys, wow, they bang out a lot of apps. Uh, I didn't do it. I should do a count for how many how many apps they they actually have. Um, so, well, well, one sec, one sec. They have like an exclusivity on that. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm looking at it now. I have two of them, three, three of them, and they all have a little budge icon at the bottom. Yeah. Budge license a lot. They, they license a a lot of different kind of IP. Um, so like, um, let me see. So like I'm looking right now, Barbie, Caillou, Tom's the train. Um, they have a Hello Kitty game, a Garfield game. Um, but they have a lot of apps, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 18, 22, 23, 24, 25, six. They, they must have like almost like probably like 50 apps or something. Wow. Um, but that's the other thing in, in the kind of app game, right? And I, I think, I don't know, we can have, we can do a whole other pod about the app game, but, um, for a lot of these like smaller studios, us included, is, um, and this is kind of why we moved to subscription as well. Is you, you, when you when you release a new app, it's like the movie business, right? You're gonna get a huge spike and you get a bit of a long tail, and then you have to keep releasing um, because we work in the paid space. Uh, we work in the paid space because we kind of think it's the right thing to do for the kids. Um, but it makes it really challenging because um, if we built our app let's say as a freemium app, uh, it would probably have a little bit longer longevity and you could build in a lot of different kind of hooks in there um, and you just want to keep players in as long as possible and kind of extract money um, over time, right? Um, 
obviously that's not what we do and we kind of work similar to like the movie business because um at, at least in at the theater stage um because we release we launch we get our huge kind of kick during the launch week and then slowly um, downloads will kind of come down a bit as your featuring goes away as you know the cross promotion kind of fades as it's not the new shiny thing anymore yeah right um so like entropy it's just like it eventually (laughs) you just yeah you just can't can't keep it up yeah um so a lot of these places they just kind of um release um constantly You, you you always have to have something out there you always have to have that new shiny thing um but the, the funny thing about the budget guys is like all their things are IEP'd. So a lot of the a lot of it is really um, you get a piece of the experience and then you kind of pay extra to unlock, I don't know, all the, the, the new dress or something, right? Um, and I think I don't know their actual rev numbers, but I, I assume they do pretty well. Um, but they're doing exactly what you're talking about, where they basically li- license that really popular IP. Um, and make stuff out of that. I think the drawback about that, and this is the one advantage Sego has, though, is that um, if you, when you think of Bud, you don't know really, you don't know what to think of because that name represents um, Strawberry Shortcake, Barbie, Caillou, Thomas the Train, all these different brands. Yeah. That if they were to ever, say, do a retail play and they wanted to make physical toys or something, it's harder for them because they don't have the, the rights for those kind of things. You know, they have the rights probably for the digital, for the app side of things, um, but not for, like, if they want to make a physical doll or other things like that. So if they want to kind of branch off and move into other spaces, they're a little bit handcuffed in that regard. Yeah, and I think, it, like, yeah, it's like a just a branding problem, right? Like, they, like, yeah, like, what do you expect from... Oh, that's interesting. It's, but, but again, I think there's a lot of parallels to the, I think there's a lot of parallels to, to Main Street and this whole idea of of shopping local versus um, the difference, I guess, with apps is that you have no idea. I didn't know Budge was in Canada. I kind of like them a little bit more now that you say that they're from Montreal. Yeah. Um, I just assumed they were some, you know, I don't know, churning, churn and burn kind of a factory so, somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but, but at the same time, there's, there's definitely, I feel like, especially on the Mac now that's changing too, because the Mac is so mainstream, but there is this, it's why I use an iPhone instead of Android. Mm-hmm. I feel like Apple has retained a level of, even though there's a ton of crap on, on, uh, on the app store, there's some level of quality control and there's some level of call it whatever craftsmanship on on i on ios that i just find none of on android and and, and but that's yeah. the other thing too like apple apple respects that and they still hold that in high regard like they still like pretty things and if you put that care into your work you will get featured i think or you'll get a better feature than if you don't right um, but at the same time the flip side of that though is that you know when i I don't want to shit on Budge because um, I don't think all their stuff is garbage, but I, th- I think Sego Mini makes better things, but whatever. <laughs> um, but if, if Budge develops a massive audience, and I'm, I'm sure they have a pretty big audience, then even if they put out garbage, 
they're still going to get featured because there's a demand for it and Apple yeah. needs to serve that demand at the same time. So it's a fine balance, right? Like Apple can only only feature, they, they can only feature like really pretty hipster apps for, they can only do that for so long um, because they also need to serve the mass because a lot of people have their phones. Um, and, and those people, a lot of them like Budge or like a lot of these other maybe more mainstream apps. Um, so yeah. It's, it's right history. Yeah. So so right now, if we were if we were if you quit Sago, and I quit Hubba, and we're going to start an app company, you would you would go down the the Sago path of trying to create something beautiful, unique versus just licensing and 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 uh, maybe putting some fast cash in the pocket or something. Yeah, because I I, I do think the way we've approached it in Sago, I think it sets us up better. Um, outside of the app space as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and and I mean, like, do you like do you think apps are going to be here in five years, ten years? I don't know. Like, uh, so I think the paid app market is declining, um, but subscriptions really? up. Yeah, paid app is paid app. Paid apps are definitely down. Um, huh. But subscriptions app subscriptions up. Premium is still up. Um, why are, why, are, why are paid apps down? That seems I would have I wouldn't have thought that. Because there's so much free stuff out there that's uh, such an easy alternative, right? That's like I mentioned oh. to you. Like, um, you, you can buy a Sago app or you can just get a free app that's kind of crappy, but it's free. Uh, or even if it is a freemium app, right, which a lot of these are, um, there's tons of that out there on the market. So okay, sorry, it's, sorry, it's a very that. easy alternative to get a free free app. Sorry, so when you mean paid app, you mean not in-app purchases, like literally a paid app, like you must yeah. pay to, okay, yeah. okay, right, yeah. okay, yeah. that that I can see, because I'm okay with, so the best uh, the best example for me is like Pokemon Go, mm-hmm. I will admit that I still play it every day, I have never stopped playing it every day, I love Pokemon Go, <laughs> it's one of my favorite apps of all time, I have spent too much money probably on Pokemon Go, I don't even want to know, and, but again, the, to me, they're in-app purchases. I, I'm never going to pay to fucking change my hat. And every time I'm playing and I see some like 13-year-old kid who has this amazing fedora, I'm like, you stupid idiots. You just paid these developers for some shitty pixels. Um, but I'm willing to pay for, for things that legitimately make my game experience more fun. Or, yeah, but um, that, but that 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 shitty fedora makes his game experience more fun, right? It's so subjective, right? I guess so. Yeah, that's like a good you're, point. you're 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 paying good coin for like an egg or something, <laughs> I'm sure, or like or coins, uh, coins. Yes. So yeah, so you know, it, it's I guess what you extract value from, right? He he wants to he wants to flex he wants to flex in front of his friends like yo check check this out. Oh, so <laughs> I can't take laugh. it, man. I've I've got I've got an intern now, and the shit that comes out of this guy's mouth, he uh, like the, the kids the kids these days and their new lingo. I I can't keep up. I'm 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 I feel so old when I listen to him talk because he'll drop these these expressions like. Like, you know, kids don't say, like, let's go chill anymore. They say, like, moss. Like, let's go moss. Hmm. Do you know that one? No, I don't know that one. Yeah, that's a weird one. Um, they, they use the word reach as a as some weird verb where it's like, if you say, 
hey Kent, let's go let's go get some barbecue at that place downtown. I might say, yeah, yo, reach, reach, which means that's a good idea, and I will join you at that physical location. So there has to be a location involved, and that's where like the reaching comes because like I'm going to go to this place, and I'm answering in the affirmative. So it's like this compound word verb thing that means yes, and I will come there or I will go to there. Yeah. So okay, but what do you, do you do you do the thing where you kind of uh, pretend to go along with it, like you understand, or do you just say like no. I'm old, I no. don't get it? Yeah, I just call bullshit, and and and, and I, it's funny because I know what kind of old person I'm gonna be. I'm <laughs> I already know I'm gonna be that guy. Like back in my day, we didn't use shitty terms like that. Um, which is, it's a really interesting kind of introspective look at what my future curmudgeonly self could be like, because I'm already happening. It's already happening at the ripe old age of 32. So, um, yeah. I, man, I, I just try to try to straight check them right, right off the bat. Like when they bust out a word like that, that I don't get, I'll just kind of check them real quick and just say like, and you know, that's not a real word. Like, <laughs> and and just call it out right yeah. right right off the bat. You, yeah, you no, kind of sorry. I guess, I guess that, that's what I mean. I'll, I'll say like never, don't ever say that again. Like no, yeah. like we're not yeah. we're not like th- this isn't gonna work. If you're, I'm not gonna sign that piece of paper that says you were a good student. If you keep talking to me like that, like this is not gonna fly. It's not gonna fly. <laughs> yeah, man, you, you gotta check them, man. <laughs> See, but even when you said check them, I was like, fuck, what the hell does that mean? And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, okay, I get it, I get it. I get it. I'm, uh, yeah, man, I'm old. I'm 32 going on 50. Um, all right, so speaking of checking in here, so we've been, uh, we've been going for an hour, and I think – so we, we, we were talking about follow-up. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the point we were on was about how bad our sound quality was. And I was like, yeah, because Nick is in Austin – and then, <laughs> and then that well, let us down. Barbecue, that's a Main massive Street. Tangent. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. This is what it, this is what our conversations are like. I mean, we're not. This would have absolutely happened if we had have gotten together in person. We would have had something we wanted to talk about, and we would have talked about something different. Um, true. True. But at the same time, here, let me. Uh, there's a couple, couple items of, uh, of, of, uh, of follow up. <laughs> So yes, we know about the mics, and uh, we will be fixing that uh, if we make it to five episodes. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, maybe even well, we'll talk. I haven't told Nick about that, so that's he's hearing that for the first time. So uh, anyway, we will figure out the microphone issue. I'm trying to talk a bit louder tonight. I talked very quietly last time, so try to talk a bit louder. The there was a lot of confusion around what a pencil problem is and i'm just going to call it right now and say uh we're not going to really tell you what a pencil problem i mean we get I, I told you what it was at the beginning of the show and as you hear us talking more and more we'll be calling each other out on pencil problems and you'll just kind of figure it out we don't need to we don't need to tell you we don't need to be that direct with what it is you'll you'll pick it up as we go um and, and a lot of people ask about the length and they, okay, this could take us down another rabbit hole, but I, I like my podcasts on the long side and 
I don't really think about the length, nor do I really care about the length, because as far as I'm concerned, we're just having a conversation. And as long as we want to talk, we're going to talk. And if you want to jump out after 20 minutes, go ahead. If you want to cut cut to the end, that's fine. Like, I don't know. I have no opinion on length. Um, I listen to some podcasts that are four, five hours long, and I listen to some that are 20 minutes long and truthfully when that 20 minute one ends I, I normally want some more and I'm like damn I could have listened to that for another 20 minutes so yeah I, I think it's finding that sweet spot man and I'm sure like we can take a data approach to this and then you can kind of monitor um when people start dropping off and you there's going to be a sweet spot I'm sure and okay. I, I kind of personally feel that sweet spot's around 40 40 minutes um, so, so so you're saying right now it's just us talking no one's listening right now yeah, but I kind of don't give a shit either. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't care. Yeah. So this is the same approach as the book. Like, whatever. Done. You're not. We're not doing it for other people. So if they want to listen, they. If they, they want to listen, that's great. If they don't, like, whatever. Fuck them. Yeah. Um, I. I'm. I'm. I'm up for that. But there's 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 definitely a sweet spot though. I'm sure, and I'm sure it's different per pod. Um, but <laughs> I think it also depends on how long people's commute times are and all that. But. Also, if you're downloading a podcast and it says like three hours, I'm sure not. You're gonna lose a lot of people right off the bat. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, I'm not here for like a like a bedtime story. You know, like I want this quick quick hit while I'm at the gym or I'm commuting or something. Uh, so, I, I I don't know. I can I can see the argument, but I kind of don't care. Yeah, I guess so. But at the same time, I think that you. But by 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 making it so, by making it tighter, it forces you to be more. It go. It's man. It's like come full circle, which is so cool. It by making it tighter, you you force an editorial lens on what you're doing, and I think that my favorite. Uh, so I'll just go out there and say it. My favorite podcast is Joe Rogan's podcast, and. You can hate Joe Rogan. You can you. He's a very polarizing figure. A, a lot of people will not listen to his podcast out of principle, just because they think he's a MMA meathead who you know just talks about I don't know drugs and and pussy all day, and that's totally fine. But he, I think he, like his core belief is that you really don't you don't don't get to know anybody. You don't get to actually talk about anything in depth if you go on like CNN or if you go on any, like if you just watch the news or if you, if you even read medium or if you read anything, because everybody knows this, this, this rule that people have a short attention span. Therefore they cater their content for short attention spans. Yeah. And you just can't have some conversations in 20 minutes. Like you, you can't talk about the difference between, you know, big, app companies, small app companies, Budge versus Sego versus like we could have rehearsed that, talked about it, condensed it into a 10 minute Q&A where like we would probably record it first, which I've, I've been digging into how other podcasts do this. So some of like this one news podcast that I love called um, Can He Do That? It's this one about Donald Trump and like the Washington Post just asked this question like, can Donald Trump do X? And then they talk about it for 20 minutes. And I found out the way they do it is like, they'll have this conversation for an hour. Like you and I will talk for an hour. Then somebody will take notes and say, okay, this, this was the highlight of what you guys talked about. Now do it again, but do it in 10 minutes and, and really hit on these, these like, so it's, it's like they do, they do the podcast almost twice 
because they're 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 editorializing it right and yeah. it's um and and i think really like to be honest i you kind of hinted at it but the this isn't really for anybody but us at the end of the day like i'm uh i know like the way this started was even years ago when we kicked around the idea of, of doing this podcast was every time we get together, we always have an interesting conversation and it's normally a cross section between business philosophy, kids now, <laughs> um, drugs then maybe, or, no. um, uh, you know, uh, tech really. Yeah. And we, we yeah. We, we, we didn't really talk about drugs for the record and, uh, for uh, all my fans out there. Actually, yeah, that's, that's true. It was more about the people in our lab who were doing a lot of drugs. Um, <laughs> you, you know who you are. Well, one of you is listening. Um, but um, I think that the... Yeah, so anyway, back to the actual point of, of length. The It will be as long as it needs to be. And if that offends you, you don't have to listen. Yeah. So that's that was it on my end. If you had any any, did you um, did you have any follow up from any of your guinea guinea pigs? Uh, what do you mean by guinea pigs? Like, did you send? I, I oh. sent this to a, I sent this to a bunch of people. <laughs> so, uh, like, we have like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna release our stats because that's just something you don't do. On, on a podcast um uh, we probably should actually but uh but yeah no, we actually got way more listeners than i thought i don't know if there's like bots and stuff that listen to podcasts but um for our first episode with no advertising we had 57 downloads what yeah i know isn't that weird you don't get analytics on uh who these people are do you no you probably don't apple no you, you don't get it no but i do i signed up for this amazing thing called uh, Fireside FM. It's made by one of my favorite human beings, uh, Dan Benjamin, um, who runs a whole podcast network called Five by Five. And it's really just one of these amazing, I can look at it and I just know it's a Rails app because it's beautiful and it just works. So I know it's Rails. And it, um, it just manages this whole process of, so I went from Recording the recording the podcast with you last week, I exported it to my desktop, I uploaded it to Fireside, and in 20 minutes it was on iTunes. It's pretty incredible. Wow. So, um, and I found out that all podcasts really are are RSS feeds. Did you know? Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, like all the workings behind the podcast is just just XM, uh, XML. Interesting. Yeah. Um. I, I did want to plug uh, my uh, my favorite podcaster is uh, the Podfather Bill Simmons. Man, this guy, he's good, man. He, I feel like he's really well versed in pop culture and um, every. He's just he's just like a he has a great memory too. Like he can just drop names and on no matter what his guests. And maybe he goes through a lot of preparing, but like he just he seems always very knowledgeable, very funny, very succinct. Um, but I, he also keeps his podcast in around like 40 something minutes. This is back to that initial kind of question. But I think what he does though, is like, he just keeps the conversation focused and he's a good moderator in that way. But also he probably just doesn't, um, bite off more than he can chew. 
you know, like we, we talked about agenda. We have a whole list of things we want to talk about. Um, but he's probably like, let's just do one thing. And he probably just riffs off that and lets that run for like 40 minutes or something. And then where that conversation goes, it goes. But um, he doesn't try to hit on so many topics. Maybe, maybe that's what he does. I don't know, man. But I, I, I love this guy. He's really good. Um, awesome. well, and honestly, like what I find so fascinating about, about podcasts is I listen to a ton of podcasts. I've never, I don't even know who this person is. Yeah. Like, I think you yeah. mentioned him. I think you mentioned him last week too. You said something about, and I remember writing it down. Maybe I didn't really do a good job taking notes last week. And but I remember, or maybe it was one of the times we got together. You mentioned Bill Simmons and I thought it was the guy who was on, on shark tank. And then that's no. Russell Simmons. Yeah. No. And, yeah. And, yeah. And then, but in my head, every time you say Bill Simmons, I now see Russell Simmons. So I have, and then when I hear Russell Simmons, I think of that guy from like Sweating to the Oldies, which I think was also called Russell Simmons, who was like that really energetic guy who always wore a tank top with the crazy hair. And anyway, like. Do you know, do do you, you you follow sports, right? I I assume. Yeah. You're a big football fan. Yeah. Well, I'm like my wife is a much bigger football fan, but yeah, I I know a few things about sports ball. Um, so he started uh, Bleacher Report. What do you know Bleacher Report? I do, I do. Let me just go. I think now I know who this guy is. And oh yes, I know him. I recognize him. Um, he's a, he's good. He's very good. He had a show yeah, on no, HBO. He, he he had a, yeah, he, yeah, had yeah. A, he had an amazing show on HBO that got canceled. Um, but now he started The Ringer, and The Ringer is basically um, it's kind of like the Bleacher Report. Um, they talk about sports, pop culture. Uh, they have a whole series of podcasts ranging from food to movies to I don't know. They have one for Game of Thrones, one for um, uh, just regular sports things, one for gambling. Just a lot of just. <laughs> pop culture guy stuff I, I think or I think definitely appeals to more of a male audience um, interesting but he he's a but he's a cool guy but the thing is I, I've been listening to him for so long that you start learning about him as well yeah. and how he, he's a bit of a curmudgeon and how he talks about the younger generation he's just like he does not understand them at all and that's like a running kind of storyline I guess in a way and uh, I, it's, it's, it's interesting I, I never even thought it would get so into a podcast man but they're really fun. No, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way with some of the, the, the ones I listen to. And it's like, I, and really, we, I mean, we're going to do this. So if people find this interesting, you're going to learn a lot of weird shit about you and I as we talk. And there, there's only a couple times where I feel myself like having to censor. Um, and for me, it's more about like work stuff where I'm just like, I don't know. Like, there's some things I'm just like, I probably shouldn't say that. A lot of these podcasters, I mean, this is their job, right? Like, they don't give two shits about what they say. They have, they don't have to answer to anybody. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're probably going to learn a lot about, and you're just going to hear how we talk and how we react to things. Like, I, until this intern started, didn't think I was, like, kind of going to be one of those curmudgeon old men, but I absolutely will be based on my visceral reaction to the expression reach. <laughs> um oh fuck i'm looking at, looking up right now it doesn't say he did start bleacher report maybe i'm wrong on that but uh he was definitely part of espn but i thought 
Kitropor is part of the ESPN. Sorry, man. I'm sidetracking here. No, no, no. It's all good. It's um, uh, and and I did get some fu that said, "Hey, like you took too many tangents." And again, I my answer to that is that's kind of how we that's kind of how we roll. I mean, we didn't even get to our topic. I don't, I don't know about you. I don't think we should dive into our. I think our topic tonight was about the app industry and Main Street. Um, I, uh, I I think we save I think we save what we were gonna talk about for for next week. All right, that that's cool, man. Um, Fifty. Just one last question: Where do you think you got that audience came from? Does it? Do you have that? No, I have nothing. Um, it could very well just have been me downloading it fifty-seven times by some. Um, I mean, I did listen to the. Did you listen to the podcast? Yeah, I did. It's, yeah. it's really weird to listen to yourself, but yeah. Yeah, it was so weird. And I I listened to it to see how many times I said like. And I I made a mental note to count so that I could name this episode something like 123 likes. And then maybe people who would look at it and say, oh, wow, they got a lot of likes. And it turns out it was just how many times I said it. But you I know didn't what? count. I, 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 I feel like we got to stop falling in love with the likes. I feel like as a society, it's not it's not good, man. Um, one interesting thing. Oh, side side note. Uh, it's he's he, sorry. It wasn't the Bleacher Report. He started Grantland. Um, my bad. I don't know what Grantland is. Okay, it's an, it's like a similar to the Ringer, uh, pop culture, very sports heavy though uh, website with a whole series of podcasts. Anyways. Um, one interesting thing from the conference today was um, someone did a study on um, kids asking, surveying them, asking them what they wanted to be when they grew up. And a, the majority of these people, a large majority of these people wanted to be YouTube stars. Wow. How crazy is that? It's like, wow. Just to think, like, think, think about Jack. And your your son Jack, and he tells you one day he wants to be a YouTube star. Like, what? How? What, what's your reaction going to be to that? Oh, I got so many. So we could talk about this for hours. Okay, I I don't think there's anything wrong with. It depends on what kind of YouTube star. There, because to me, it's a lot like podcasting. There's a lot of great podcasts if you are going to be a social critic or something. But I think what he's talking about is not that kind of YouTube star. I think he's probably talking about like PewDiePie or yeah. something like that where he just, so that to me is a phenomenon. So PewDiePie, I have, I have studied this. So I had a conversation with my cousin at the time who was like 12 years old and South Park had just made fun of a lot of this stuff. And I, that's how I got exposed to it. And then I asked him like, do you know who PewDiePie is? And he said he watches him daily. And then that kind of creeped me out. And I started digging into it and I don't get it. I just, I don't get, I don't get it at all. I've watched probably 50 of his videos and trying to find something in there. So to give you an example, this is way back in the day. I remember, do you remember the show Glee? Yeah. So Glee was one of the fastest growing shows at the time. And I was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk way back when Glee started. So that was like seven or eight years ago, way back when Gary V was sort of bursting on the scene. And he, he joked about like, he watches all these new shows, even though they suck because they tell you something about pop culture 
And if you're smart, you can almost integrate all that crap and then figure out where the market's going or something like that. And I kind of, I, I kind of bought that line and I thought it was an interesting idea. Like, even if you think it's garbage, you should, you should understand why it's popular and that'll help you understand the market in whatever broad sense you want to take that. And PewDiePie is arguably one of the most famous people in the world. Actually, if you look at just by pure numbers and I have no idea what to make of that. And it would, it terrifies me that Jack might sit down and watch him play, play video games. I, I don't know what to, I don't know what I would do. Part of me, I would want to like scream at him (laughs) and like, (laughs) and punish him for watching it. I mean, that's my, that's my visceral reaction. I would be like, you don't get life. And for that, you have to go to your room, you know? I don't know. Sorry, that's my little rant on PewDiePie. I just, I don't get it. But it's, it's just, you, you grew up with this, um, I don't know, this yearning to just, it's like, honestly, it's like a Black Mirror episode, man. It's so fucked up. Everyone's just kind of operating, trying to get likes from other people. Oh, hey, do, you, do you watch? Do you watch Black Mirror? Do you, do you watch yeah, that show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got that reference. Uh, oh, God, uh, I know, right? It's the, and and I, I mean, I. Okay, maybe this is this will be my last my last kind of thought of the night, but I don't. I, I've, I can't believe I'll say this one in the public domain, but I've been saying this for years, and I. I think that as parents, we need to come to grips with the fact that, so did, do I have time for like a little, like, can, can I tell you a three minute story? Did you, do you have time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I remember this video game called soldier of fortune. I don't know if you've ever oh, played yeah? it. Yep. It was a first person shooter and it was one of the first first person shooters where you could target limbs. So you could shoot someone in the hand and their hand would, they would shake their hand. You could shoot them in the head and their head would, blow up and they would that would be yeah. a headshot you could blow their legs off with a shotgun you could do all this very exciting things as a kid to this video game and i remember my dad came home and i was playing this game and i guess he was watching me play and he didn't he didn't announce himself and i i, I like shot this guy's legs off and then while he was on the floor like squirming i like shot him in the head with a handgun and my dad and i was like in grade 11, I was not a young kid. I was in grade 11. I was not. And he was very, like, he announced himself at that time and basically said, like, what are you doing? And I don't think this is okay. He didn't know what to do. He he knew that, he knew it was fake. He knew I was a nice human being and I was a, I was a stable person. But he had this, he was upset. He was very upset. And there was some reaction he had where he knew that what I was doing was wrong on, on a level and he didn't punish me or anything. Cause again, I was in like grade 11. It's not like he could like, what was it, what was he going to do? But he, I, that's has stuck with me till this day. I can remember everything about that moment. Cause it was a very, and I know that it's going to happen with me with Jack, but it's going to be way worse. He's going to be in full immersive virtual reality choking a prostitute in Grand Theft Auto 15 or whatever that'll be. And we've all done it. We've all done it. Any male between the ages of 
you know, 20 and 32 has killed a prostitute in Grand Theft Auto. I mean, it's just a, it's a fact. You, that's, that's happened. You've done it. I've done it. Millions of people have, have done it. And, and Jack will do it too, but it'll be in full immersive virtual reality. And I think that there's a difference between that and doing it in a third person view over the shoulder. And that's the end of my, my rant. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And I think it's going to, I'm going to have one of those moments with Jack where I know it's fake. I know he's a good person. I know there's probably nothing to worry about, but I'm going to want to be mad, like be mad or something or, or I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Do you think about this or is it just my weird, my, no. weird, my weird brain? I, I think, uh, so my, my, um, comparative story to that is, uh, I was probably grade 11 as well. I think my mom was driving the car. Me and my dad was, I don't know. I was in the passenger seat. I fell asleep, but I left my CD in there that was playing. And there's a song from, like, it's an old hip-hop song called uh, Put In Your Mouth from Akineli. Um, <laughs> and it, it, the song is, like, what the title describes. And it's kind of vulgar. But my mom got so mad at me. And she's like, what the hell are you listening to? I got yelled at. And it was really vivid because I was sleeping and she just started yelling at me and that woke me up. <laughs> and and uh, um, I, I, I can see myself having this discussion or this, uh, that same kind of thing happening with my daughter one day. She, I, I don't even understand the music she's probably going to be listening to, man. I don't like, you know what <sighs> pains me so much. I, I, so my, my buddy gave us this, um, this play uh jumper this this jumper for for uh for abby and uh it's based off finding nemo and it looks like a giant fucking octopus is gonna (laughs) is gonna eat her alive that's what it looks like to me okay and it's really bright colors it's so ugly but she's she's in there and she's having the time of her life and I'm just judging her so hard. I just do not understand her. I'm like, oh my god, like, what is wrong with you? Do you not have any taste? Like, is taste? Yeah. I guess it, you're not born with taste. Like, what is? Yeah, this? yeah, yeah. That's right. It's like you have to. You got. You got to. You got to teach her this. You got to. You got to earn this. But part of this is just acceptance, right? It's like, it's like Jack. Yeah. You know, choking out that virtual stripper. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you, you gotta. This is that's gonna be the way of the world, and I guess there's nothing you can do really. Because I uh, stole this Akinelli when my mom wasn't in the car, so <laughs> just like Jack's gonna continue to, to, to choke choke these girls out. It's terrible. It's terrible. I do not condone uh, this. I know. You know what? As you said that, I was like, I think the title of this episode is gonna be choking out a virtual like. <laughs> Choking out virtual strippers, but I'm like, no, you know what? Like that's that's gonna get us. Uh, oh, we can't we can't make that the title. No, no, that that's that's terrible. You should probably even cut cut that out of the whole thing. <laughs> no, I think we're gonna leave it. I, I think I think we should I think we should leave it here. I think we've I think we've ended. Okay. We've ended in a, in a in a good spot, but um, huh. maybe we'll call the episode that that time in Taylor. That's where you are right now. To called Taylor. No, no, I'm in Austin, but yeah, it was. Oh, oh, you went, you went to Taylor. Okay, so we're gonna say that time I went to Taylor. That's it. That's the name. That's the name of this pod. That's the name of this episode. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a blog. I'm gonna write a blog post about that too because it moved me so much. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, as always, uh, it's a pleasure, and yeah, get home safe, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk again next week.
All right. Ciao. All right. See you, man. Bye.